Hello, and welcome everyone to the first of what I hope will be many episodes of a brand new show that I am calling the Unsolicited Wrestling Podcast, or stream, I guess, when you're watching it now. When I re-upload it later, it will be a podcast, but now it's a stream. It's a show I'm doing live. And, uh, oh yes, exactly, exactly what the internet read it, needed, right? Another paunchy white guy with a chin beard talking about wrestling. Again, if you follow me, Cape Joel, from any of the other stuff I've worked on over the years, you know I am a wrestling fan. I'm a fan of all sorts of wrestling. I like the New Japans and the Ring of Honors and, you know, not just the WWEs and the, uh... NXTs, especially the NXT. In fact, we're going to be talking about that in a minute. But uh, yeah, I thought it would be fun to actually put all of this down in stream form because if you follow me on Twitter, you'll know every so often I'll do a little hashtag and be like, hey, Joel's unsolicited wrestling thoughts because I have so many thoughts. And I figured I might as well put it into a show. And thankfully, the turnout here has been pretty solid. Got at least 10 people in here so far who are interested or at the very least want to see me crash and burn, which, you know, that's fine too. That's okay. But, uh, yes, yeah, starting off the show, I wanted to uh, kind of get over, as it were, what I hope will be a, a major segment on the series coming forward, and that is, uh, what wrestling shirt is Joel wearing today? And today I am wearing a Stand Your Ground shirt from Smash Wrestling. Some of you might not know who Smash Wrestling is. Smash Wrestling is the local Ontario Federation. They've got guys like Tyson Ducks. Obviously, a lot of really good indie workers have come through over there over the years. Frankie the Mobster, uh, Kevin Steen, before he was Kevin Owens, was there. I got this uh, shirt in London, actually, at the London Comic Con. They actually had uh, live wrestling going on there, so I was pretty happy that I got to go there. It was part of their big women's tournament. They had Alley Cat and Sue Young and a bunch of other uh, really great performers there, and people seemed to like it. And I wanted to support support my local uh, independent wrestler, so I bought myself a shirt. Actually, hey, if people like independent wrestlers, uh, I actually know a couple, and they were people who inadvertently kind of pushed me to want to do this show. Uh, Carry Awful, real big popular Smash Mouth Southern wrestler, uh, Super Beetle, you know, really awesome masked guy with a cool costume. They, they like my work because of comics, and I realized that there's a real serious kind, you know, like Venn diagram crossover between wrestling fans and comic book fans, so I figured, hey, you know what, why why not test the waters with this? This is yet another thing that I really wanted to do. <laughs> yeah, ooh, ooh, Water Lord in the chat got a good one. Stand your ground. People in Florida don't like that wording. Yeah, I could see why, Water Lord. I could really see why. In fact, funny you should say that. Uh, I was wearing this shirt all day because I knew I was going to do this stream tonight. But I also had an interview earlier today, and it was like a stream interview like this. And I actually changed the shirt because I'm like, you know what? I really, I really, really don't need uh, any of this. Legend of Sazam also mentions Green Ant. Uh, I kind of actually have a few uh, degrees of Kevin Bacon's separation with the ants, actually, from Chikara. I know DJ Accident Report, who works on the Nobody's Watching Wrestling show, which is a great show. You should check out if you haven't seen it. He actually guested on an episode of the Comic Multiverse, my comic book podcast. Uh, he's a great dude, and they actually know the ants. Uh, they had them on their show, so hey, if people, if people want it, I could probably get that to happen at some point in the future. Because again, this this is just kind of me talking to you, you the chat, you guys are my co-host on this one, because I couldn't, 
I couldn't be bothered to get a co-host. I was a little, I was a little lazy, lazy on this one. But uh, yes, we got our first segment out of the way. The what wrestling shirt is Joel wearing this week? And this will be a new thing going forward. I'll try and wear a new wrestling shirt every week. And if people want to send me wrestling shirts, I will unbox, open them here on the stream, and then I will proceed to wear these shirts. Is what I will wear, and that will be the first. Of many uh, many fun visual uh, gags that we do on this show, many visual gimmicks that we try and get over. And uh, if you're listening to this later on the audio version, hey man, should check out the live show because it's pretty solid. You can see my sub goals up there at the top that I want to reach, which actually it says my sample goal because even though I changed it a bunch, it still said that fuck. <laughs> Again, my goal is I want to try and get to. Uh, get to get to 400 i'm at like 395 now but that's that's a botch let's let's not pay attention to that this is this is why we do the tests everybody this this is why we do the tests i also have the uh bit cup over there for people who want to do donations that's another thing you can do throughout the show and uh yeah I suppose with that, we can actually head on over to our first story here. And again, you know, what what kind of show will the unsolicited wrestling podcast stream be? Well, the answer is it's not going to be like other shows. We're not really going to concentrate on, you know, industry rumors. Well, okay, we're going to do that a little. We're not going to concentrate on work rate or actually recapping events. No, we're going to talk about wrestling as it applies to character and story and everything, you know, obviously the things people are watching for, right? And because uh, I come from the world of comic books, and because wrestling and comic books have so much overlap in terms of, you know, colorful villains, colorful heroes, big world-shaking events, I thought that was the angle that I would definitely take this one at. And uh, the first piece of news here is actually going to end up affecting the story in a big, big way, and that is because Tommaso Ciampa, the current NXT uh, World Heavyweight Champion, and maybe... One of the best goddamn villains working today in the world of wrestling. He, he's he gotten hurt now. He's gotten hurt at a really, really bad time. The next NXT TakeOver, WrestleMania, is not too far away. And because of that, this more or less puts all the plans that they were doing for shows in complete and utter agony. He's uh, had a really bad neck injury, and he's, I think he went in for surgery yesterday to try and get it all fixed up and uh, I'm hearing really conflicting reports over how bad the surgery is some people are saying that you know oh he'll be out you know for at least six months like he's gonna miss takeover he's gonna miss Wrestlemania he's gonna be out for a very long time it's like a fusion operation like they gotta fuse a bunch of stuff in his neck other people are saying it can be pretty minor and that he might only be out for like a couple months and he still might be able to make it again. That might be wishful thinking. It sounds like wishful thinking. But yeah, this this really, really throws everything out the window. Because again, if you've been watching the product, if you've been watching NXT, and even if you've just been watching Raw and SmackDown, Ciampa was part of a big, like, you know almost invasion angle but not really basically they called up the four biggest stars in nxt himself his best friend turned rival turned best friend again johnny gargano who have been in a heated blood feud for the last couple years and of course uh ricochet and alistair black and uh they're a tag team on raw and smackdown and they're also a tag team on regular nxt tv uh just this week we begun the dusty Rhodes tag team classic which is always a great uh segment on nxt it's always stellar in fact they took on the undisputed era this week and what could easily have been 
a uh, pay-per-view quality level match, but we got it on free television. And uh, because the thing about NXT is they actually film it in the future, but the thing that I really wanted to get to is they are they are so screwed right now. Because obviously the way the story was supposed to be going here and supposed to be evolving, Gargano and Ciampa come back together in the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic, the thing that brought them together originally, they reformed DIY, their tag team. And, you know, this this time they were going to win, or at least they were going to get to the final match and take on Aleister Black and Ricochet. And then maybe Gargano would have turned on him, maybe Ciampa would have turned on him, but whatever it was, this was supposed to, no doubt, set up their big match for TakeOver, which would have been their fourth match, and assumedly the moment wherein Gargano, the good guy, would have one over his most hated heel opponent. Now that's not happening, because he's hurt. Which means all of this story they've been building has gotten thrown out the window, which sucks. It sucks if you're a fan, and especially sucks if you're, you know, the people writing this show and working on this show. And I, I guess the question is, and because as I mentioned before, the chat is my co-host on this one, how, how do they get out of this one, everybody? He's gonna have to drop the title, at some point, whether he actually drops it to someone or if they do what they're such a big fan of in NXT and have a big, like, uh, number one contender tournament, who who should they put it on and how should the story progress in this? Or should they have it that just Gargano beats him in, like, a really disappointing match just so he can have it? Because basically all of Gargano's storyline in this is that he needs to, uh, he, he needs to beat Ciampa. He needs to overcome him so his story can actually have a conclusion. Again, the chat is saying tournament right now. Yeah, tournaments is usually how they do things in NXT. But here's the problem. Are they going to have another tournament so close to the Dusty Road tournament that they're having right now? Some people are saying pull a Kurt Angle, have a lookalike come in. That's the problem with Ciampa. No one looks like Ciampa. He looks like a villain from the freaking Dark Crystal. He looks like a Henson villain. <laughs> Oh yeah, everyone loves uh, Bergenhagen. Yeah, Bergenhagen wins. It's it's even more messed up because like my initial thought was okay. Well, they have Matt Riddell and they're clearly pushing him as the next big thing, as the next big top guy for NXT. Maybe he's only had a couple matches. Maybe maybe they hot shot it to him. Maybe they hot shot it to him and they just put it on him. But now they can't do that, because on the last episode of NXT, they made it seem like he was going to be feuding with Velveteen Dream for the North American title. And because Velveteen Dream already has the North American title, you can't put it on him either, unless, and this would be crazy, I don't think they would do it, what if Velveteen Dream held both titles? What if he became the first guy in NXT history to hold two titles at once? That's, okay, Legend of Shazam has a good one. Pull a WCW and have him lose it in a tag match. Hmm. I don't know what other heel he'd be willing to team with because he's, you know, such an anti, uh, anti-team anti sort of guy. But, yeah, that's not a terrible idea. I do love Keith Lee Wade. I love Keith Wade or uh, Keith Lee a lot. I would love to see them put it on him. But, no, I think he's in a program right now with Donovan Dijak. Oh, sorry, Donovan Dijakovic because we got to make him more Russian now. The Dream would get that over in a second. I agree, Titan Slayer. I think he would get two belts over in a second if he had it. I don't know if they'd be willing to do that, but I think you could actually write a really great story where Dream gets both, where it's like, okay, you know, the deck is stacked against you. You got to wrestle twice during one pay-per-view. 
Oh yeah, that's right. I guess technically uh, Adam Cole was the first person to hold two titles because he had the North American title and he had the tag titles. Okay, Hippie Exterminator's right. Points for you. Adam Cole was another guy I thought doesn't currently have a title. Got beaten in the Dusty Rhodes Classic currently. But he's definitely a top guy who I could see them put that on. And they definitely look to be pointing in that direction, especially because they've lost four of their biggest stars in NXT. Adam Cole seems like the proper guy to get it. <laughs> Triple H gets the title and hold it for a year. Oh, man, Legend. Legend, you're joking? But at the same time, I could see them do that. I could see Triple H be like, hey, brother, uh, can't trust no one else with my baby brother. I guess I'll just have to do it then. I like Oni Lorcan too. O Oni Lorcan and the other guy, Danny Birch, have actually putting in a lot of really good work recently. I I'm happy they're a team. I'm especially happy they're a team because as much as I hate to admit it, uh, I kind of mix them up all the time. I thought they were the same dude a bunch. So I'm actually happy they're together. In fairness, I actually did the same with Gargano and Ciampa before they were a team and teaming did wonders for them and I finally learned their names. <laughs> so that's good. But yeah... The NXT situation, they are going to have to do some serious, serious writing to get themselves out of this. And again, they're going to have to do it soon because NXT is actually filmed, which means they basically have the conclusion of the Dusty Rhodes Classic already done. So whatever's going to happen is going to happen, and then they're going to have to work really hard to write their way out of it. <laughs> Hogan gets the title and puts no one over. Eh, Hogan's back in their good graces. He's back in the company. <laughs> as ridiculous as that is. But yeah, I don't... I just don't see a way that they could do this where it would still be satisfying. Because they've been building this Gargano Ciampa storyline for so long. And it's so disappointing that we're not going to see a conclusion to it. Especially because when this is all said and done... They've already been called up to the main roster, so they're not going to get to finish it, or if they are, they're going to finish it on the main roster and it's just not going to feel as good, because as we saw from when the four big NXT stars got called up in Lafayette, your average WWE viewer doesn't really care about NXT, and that's a shame, because in my mind NXT is the much better product. They don't know the context, they don't know the history, and I think it would go over like a wet fart in church just over a lot of people's heads. <laughs> Wade is also saying Lord Steven Regal. That's fine, too. Get Regal back in the ring and have him win the title and hold it. No, that, that, that that's some, like, bullshitty Russo-era writing they wouldn't do. I love Regal as an authority figure on NXT because, like, he's like Jack Tunney back in the day. He only comes in when it's important is what it is. And when he does, when he does come in, you know it's to make a fair call. Want to see the energy of guessing what's going on to happen in Green Arrow's book. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, uh, Marvel Knight talking about some Green Arrow stuff, which isn't out of the question because uh, Stephen Amell wrestles. And in fact, uh, with Arrow coming to a close, he might wrestle a little bit more. I didn't put that on the list for news to talk about, but uh, that's something I might talk about. Also, the chat is mentioning Batista. Don't worry, chat. We're going to get to that. In fact, uh, I think we've beaten this Ciampa story to death right here. It's just, it's just a real shame. I, I, I do trust the NXT bookers and the NXT writers. This isn't the first time something like this has happened in wrestling. It won't be the first time, and I think they've proven that they can write themselves out of corners. So, you know, here's hoping. Uh, what was the next piece of news we had here? Oh, interestingly enough, it absolutely was. 
about Dave Batista. Dave Batista made his big return to the world of wrestling, attacking Ric Flair on his 70th birthday, his former Evolution stablemate. And this is all to set up for a big, massive WrestleMania feud with Triple H, who, of course, they made a point to say the last time Dave Batista returned, you know, uh, Batista is the only person Triple H couldn't beat. A.K.A. the only person he also couldn't bury. So this this is going to be their big, massive celebrity feud leading into Mania, which I guess they need now because Undertaker's not working anymore, so they need something to fill the Undertaker slot. And maybe Cena's not going to be working there either because Cena doesn't have a match yet. I mean, they could easily pencil him into one, but still. I, uh, I I liked uh, Batista coming in, beating up an old man to really set up what a giant, massive heel he is for this. That, you know, this is personal to him. Also, hey, nice little connection to the world of comic books, too. The fact that Batista is doing this now, that he actually has the time and could potentially even, you know, use the nice little infusion of cash into his bank account means, yeah, Guardians 3 has absolutely stalled. He has time to come wrestle again. Which is nice, because again, the last time he went and did it was the time of Blue Tista and everyone booing him. The crowd essentially making him into a heel because they like Daniel Bryan more. And I think in interviews, Batista's even said that it sucks that it went down like that. And that, you know, he wanted to give people a better return and one they could actually be happier with. And, you know, I think a match with Triple H, I think that will make a lot of people happy. It is, it is weird... Though, that in his little uh, speech there, when Triple H called Batista out, uh, Trips kind of breaks kayfabe by saying, this is me saying this and not my character. Ooh, I'm sorry, I thought you didn't play characters in this. I thought this was all real. And as someone pointed to me out on Twitter as well, isn't it weird that Charlotte Flair is so completely absorbed in her uh, three-way feud with uh, Rhonda and Becky that when her father gets beaten up by a family friend, she says and does nothing about it. Yeah. But yeah, I think I think Batista versus Triple H should be cool. Again, you know, I think it's going to be totally overproduced. It's going to be totally over the top. You know, Triple H, he always, you know, spends a ton of money on his entrance every year, whether it be it when he came out as a Terminator or when he came out with all the Druids, and I'm sure we're going to see something very similar. Yeah, that too had be exterminator. I heard the same thing that Batista ever wanted to come back. It was that he wanted to work with Hunter. Again, it feels, again, you know, we're talking about story here. Batista versus Triple H, the old evolution feud, you know, that that does feel like, you know, resolution, that does feel like the continuation of a story that uh, that we haven't seen in a long time. Now, who do we think is going to win this match? Who do we think is going over? Do you think Triple H wins because he still has to work there at the end of the day, or do you think they want uh, Batista to win so he can have a big WrestleMania moment one more time? I guess Triple H hasn't won the last couple of his manias. He lost to Reigns for the title... He lost to Seth, he put him over, uh, he beat Sting, when he probably shouldn't have beaten Sting, but yeah, those are the last couple in a row. Yeah, Batista wants to put him over, interesting. <laughs> you know, Legend Shazam, you're not wrong, he's got a big expensive entrance, it'll be three hours. <laughs> Gotta cut three matches from the cards. Don't worry, we'll just cut 205 live matches, no one will care. H gonna give it to you. Yeah, I mean, uh, also, too, it's like Batista's at the point he's rich enough, he's famous enough, he doesn't have to win 
Also, he's the bad guy in this situation. So, you know, face wins. Triple H defends the honor of his wrestling dad, Ric Flair. Everyone goes and happy. <coughs> is it really Hippie Exterminator? Sonya Blade's costume in MK11 is called Heel Turn. Wow, that's funny. And Ronda Rousey totally turned heel this week. We're going to talk about that, too. 205 Live is great. Titan Slayer, it's, it's been good for a very long time, especially with Buddy Murphy. Uh, finally showing what he can do, but it's so clear the company doesn't give a crap about it. If you love work rate, should watch 205 Live. Again, you know, I know a lot of wrestlers say that you know fans complain about work rate, but they don't watch the work rate-centric show. Was never into Batista, might just be his moveset. Yeah, a lot of people feel that way, DNG. I like Batista because he does the Batista bomb. Any move that has a bomb in it is always going to be over with me. Cape Joel loves the bomb, beat a pop-up power bomb, spinning bomb, all the bombs. The bombs are the best. <laughs> Triple H becomes the king of games and Ric Flair is the Egyptian pharaoh. I could see that. You know, he had his big, like, Conan gladiator thing. He had his Terminator thing. Maybe this year he goes Egyptian in honor of Flair. But yeah, that's that's the Batista news, everybody. Again, they're, they're going to build this up over the next couple weeks and uh, weeks and months. And then, yeah, that'll be that'll be the, be the big mania match for you. Now, uh, I mentioned before, uh, what's Cena going to be doing? And uh, that actually dovetails very nicely into our next story. And that is something I ne <coughs> never, ever thought I would talk about. <coughs> Excuse me. And that is the current state of the U.S. title in WWE, which has been such a joke title and such a relegated title that our truth has actually been holding it for a bit. Now, that's nothing against Ron Killings. He is incredibly talented. He's a freaking NWA world champion. Got an amazing moveset. Is very funny. And, you know, I actually quite enjoyed his reign for what it was. But, uh, yeah, he, he seemed to actually call out John Cena. And for a second there, it actually seemed like we were going to be getting a Truth v. Cena match at WrestleMania, which would have been friggin' nuts. And, again, because if that did happen, Cena would have to go do movies, which means he'd probably put our truth over, which would be putting the title over. And in my mind, I'm like, man, that's kind of a cool idea. Didn't end up happening. Instead, we got a massive four-way bout between uh, R-Truth, Samoa Joe, uh, Cian Almas, and Ray, who have been kind of having their own little side feud for the last couple months. I'm glad they've actually been, you know, kind of lumped in to the title scene that is the U.S. title, which makes me think that they're building up to a big multi-man for WrestleMania, because, I mean, most titles usually do have a multi-man. Usually it's the Intercontinental title that has a multi-man every year, but this year it looks to seem that they're building up the U.S. title. And, of course, this led to a massive schmoz, pretty entertaining bout, and at the end of it all, wouldn't you know it, Samoa Joe ended up victorious, winning his first main roster title in two years of working there. He finally won a friggin' title. It's about goddamn time. Joe, Joe is so money, so good in the ring, so funny, so charismatic, cuts maybe some of the best promos. I can't believe it's taken them this long to reward everything he does. And I'm sure some people will argue, yeah, but it's the U.S. title. When has that been a, a, an award? You know, that's usually such a freaking low-tier title, it's not even worth talking about. I mean, I guess it's a little better than the tag titles, but even still... 
Uh, I, I couldn't be happier about Joe winning that title. And, you know, I feel that, you know, he could be the man to rehab a belt like this to actually make it worthwhile. You know, he, much like Tommaso Ciampa, much like uh, Shayna Baszler, will treat this title like it's the most important thing in the world to him. That's the real problem with the U.S. title, and that is no one actually treats it like it's important anymore. You know, they always just treat it like it's a stepping stone to another title, because it arguably is. But still, I, I, I hope Samoa Joe has a big, long reign with this title. I hope he makes it mean something. Heck, uh, he can do the John Cena Open Challenge, too, if he wants. And just every week till Mania, it's him just, you know, squashing jobbers, just destroying them all. Heck, he can take on two guys at once. You know, freaking throw, throw the B-team at him, and he'll kill them both with his bare hands. You know, let's let's get Joe back to the, you know, destructive monster that he was in NXT and not the guy, you know, who trades wins and losses. That's what I would like. And I know I've been down this road before and I've said more or less the same thing when Shinsuke Nakamura had the U.S. title and I'm like, oh, well, he'll make it mean something again. You know, he's such a great champion. He'll elevate it and it'll actually be important now. And it wasn't. And that's a shame. Exactly, and Wade brings me to my next point, and that is, you know, are we going to have a multi-man match, or are we going to get Cena-Joe for WrestleMania? I think that would be a killer match, and once again, Cena doesn't need to win. Cena's going to go back to making movies. I think if Cena was, you know, willing to lay down and put Joe over in a really solid match, I think that would do wonders for the U.S. title and wonders for Joe. And again, as D&G is saying, too... Joe might be the best heel on the mic currently. Uh, he was while Kevin Owens was away. You know, we, we can have that fight soon because one's a heel and one's a face of who's the better trash talker. But yeah. Yeah, Joe and Cena would be something of a dream match because here you got, you know, Journeyman, Indie, ROH, TNA going up against Mr. WWE of a certain generation. I think that would be a killer match. And, you know, it would be the old talent putting over the new talent. I say new talent. Joe's been wrestling forever. Cena seems like he doesn't need to wrestle anymore since he's an actor now. It's true, Amazing Spider-Man. We don't know if he's going to be here. In fact, that was the whole storyline of last year's Mania. Will John Cena even have a match? And to his credit, he freaking sat there in the crowd for multiple hours until it was his time. Uh, has Money in the Bank replaced mid-tier titles? Yes, Legend of Shazam, it absolutely has. And you know what? I'm actually going to even say something more controversial. I think they're actually disrespecting Money in the Bank now, both the men's and the women's, because everyone cashes in instantly now. Like, that used to be the get-out-of-jail-free card. That used to be the, oh, we screwed up with our booking. That's okay. We have Money in the Bank. We can reward someone, you know, who we believe in and someone we want to push to the moon. But now everyone uses up their Money in the Bank right away, or in some cases, like Braun Strowman and Baron Corbin, they just friggin' waste their money in the bank. I, I think we've seen the money in the bank be wasted more than anything now, and that's unfair. Heck, if we even want to go back to Dean Ambrose, he had an amazing cash-in, but then didn't do much with his title reign. Might be in the minority here, but I want Owens to stay face. He's always been one of the Adam Cole heels that are so cool they're basically a face. I agree, DNG. Kevin Owens might be my favorite guy in the WWE system. He's the dude who kept me watching when I started. And yeah, he's uh, he uh, his heel work is truly amazing, but I think it's the truly great heels who can also make truly great faces. And again, he was so cool and so affable and like his character gimmick of he's fighting to provide a better life for his family. He transitions to face so easily and they need good top faces, especially on SmackDown. 
I think it's actually really cool that he's willing to do that. We'll we'll talk more about Owens in a second. Actually, is what we'll do. In fact, uh, that's that's our very next story, wouldn't you know it? So uh, one of the other big developments in this week, leading up to Fast Lane, leading up to uh, WrestleMania, Kevin Owens is going to be taking on Daniel Bryan, stealing the spot that was supposed to be rightfully Kofi Kingston that the fans had awarded to him for just well being Kofi and being amazing. Uh, again, you know, in any other circumstances, I think people would be losing their minds for a Kevin Owens-Daniel Bryan match. Again, that's Ring of Honor royalty re-meeting. It's, you know, the, you know they're going to put on a good match. But, you know, people people wanted Kofi. They were horny for Kofi and with plenty of good reason. It's also kind of weird in terms of morality that Kevin Owens, he's back. He's a face. But the evil Mr. McMahon is choosing him to be his instrument to go after heel Daniel Bryan, who is, you know, shirking his authority and, oh, being an evil hippie. And Owens goes along with this, even though his last big major feud before he got squashed by Braun Strowman was he was in a massive feud, not just with uh, Vince. You know, he headbutted Vince. He had a whole big thing against Shane. It, it, it's so funny, the morality and the writing, and they're like, oh, well, this will make sense if we just do this. It, it's a real head-scratcher. Real, real head-scratcher. Also, that, too, uh, Legend of Shame. It seems like Daniel Bryan promos are just face promos, but he's a dick about it. Oh, man, that's that's a whole other thing to unpack, the new Daniel Bryan. It's a great character. Great villain, because he believes every word he's saying, because he probably does. The crowd is totally behind him, too, half because he's Daniel Bryan, half because he's saying a lot of stuff that I think younger fans do agree with. But management, mainly Vince, pushes him like a heel and a bad guy because they don't like what he's saying and they don't like people like that. It's it's the damnedest thing. Morality is so weird in WWE. But yeah, I'm happy for Kevin Owens to return. Like I said, he's probably my favorite. He's Canadian like me. He has a body shape not unlike my own. He's got more tattoos than me, though. He's got a lot of new tattoos. Uh, I will say, though, that, you know, Kevin excels with the material, though, because in backstage interviews, he even says, yeah, Kofi got screwed. Kofi is great. Kofi should be able to do this. I wonder if this will lead to some sort of maybe three-way or maybe even fatal four-way, as Wade brings up in the chat, between, uh, you know, Brian, Kevin Owens, Kofi, and Mustafa Ali, if he's feeling better. Because let's face it, Mustafa Ali was probably supposed to be in the space that uh, Kofi was. And if you listen to his interview on Talk is Jericho, Mustafa even basically said, yeah, I only got the call up because Daniel Bryan wanted to work with me and they were probably setting up for some huge uh, Mania-level match. But yeah, there's there's a lot of places they could go with this story. Can, can I also say this? Uh, I love Rowan as Daniel Bryan's big eco-heater with his flannel shirt and his band tee and everything. Rowan has always been like the least favorite of every group I've ever seen him in, but I think he's really found his place here as the big silent brute helping out Daniel Bryan. They've almost they've almost got like a hippie Sean Diesel thing going on, and I like it a lot. It's amazing that it's just one little change, and I never would have thought to put Rowan with Daniel Bryan, but now it's so good. It's really good. I really, I really like what they're doing there. I think they make a good, a good duo. I wonder if Luke Harper comes back if they're going to put him with them as well. I like Harper too. It feels like Harper is always, he's always victim of his tag partner. He always has to go off TV when he gets hurt or someone else's get hurt. 
and his morality is always freaking uh what is it reset put on his best lamb of god shirt yeah was that the band okay there you go thank you <laughs> just just like me i put on my best wrestling shirt when i do a show you know he puts on his best lamb of god shirt Dudes from Washington should be the Brian Rowan tag team. Yeah, they don't have a name yet. I know some people were throwing around the Planeteers. I like the Eco Warriors. That's a good one. There's a lot of places you could go with that. Maybe like an acronym. But yeah, I think either way, I think we're going to get a good match. And I think Kofi will get his day. I think the groundswell has been so big. I think people really do see like, oh yeah, people people really like uh, this dude and they really want to see him in a match. Heck, if they do get a third guy to join uh, Daniel Bryan's, you know, eco-planeteers, I think that could even be a big mania quality match of all three of the New Day versus Daniel Bryan. I want a Halloween episode where Rowan dresses up as Swamp Thing. Oh, he could so be Swamp Thing, Wade. He really, really could. Brian is man thing. <laughs> I like that. I like that a lot. That would that would be fun. Kofi is closing in on being a Grand Slam champion. You're right. Which I think even just for that reason, just just give him a fucking title reign. He deserves it. He's earned it. You can take it off him the Monday after Raw if you want. If it's such a big deal, let let him have a goddamn WrestleMania moment, guys. Let him have it. He's worked for you long enough. He should be a champion. Big E should be a champion, too, honestly, too. Kofi has had so many chances where he's been so close, but for whatever reason, he gets pushed back down. Is it racism? I'm not saying it's racism. I'm just saying one of these things is not like the other, and maybe he should have had a chance. But, uh, yeah, that's that's a good feud. I'm really interested in that one going into uh, going into Mania. The, the writing might not be there. It might be a little head-scratching. Uh, here's another thing, too, about the... Uh, Kevin Owens, Daniel Bryan feud that I wish they went with, but they obviously can't now because he's a good guy. And that is, when I was watching their last feud leading up to WrestleMania, you know, Kevin Owens has had some of the best storylines going into Mania, be it the Festival of Friendship with uh, Jericho, or be it even uh, his, like, almost Stone Coldian anti-authority heel stuff with Shane. The only problem is, is that, you know, that kept going on, they got Sami Zayn in the mix, and then Daniel Bryan got in the mix, and he came out of, you know, imposed retirement due to injury and concussion. And what started as Kevin Owens' story stopped being Kevin Owens' story after that, and you knew he wasn't going to win because obviously they wanted to put the returning Daniel Bryan over. And I think in an alternate universe, that could have been good grounds for a feud too. Kevin Owens coming back and being like, you know, everything went wrong for me after you beat me at Mania and no one cared about me anymore. But now they've completely shifted moralities and now one's a heel and one's a face. But, you know, that one should probably be a pretty solid match there. So what else do we have here? Uh, oh, Another big piece of news here, and that is Roman Reigns returned, and after a fact, the Shield returned too. In a in a crazy moment that I'm sure no one was ready for, people actually cheered Roman Reigns. People were happy to see him, and you know what, man? Leukemia's a bitch, cancer's a bitch, but you know what? I'm going to come out and say it, and this might be a little insensitive. I think, you know, going into remission and beating this might actually have been probably the best thing for his career because we've seen his character completely rehabbed overnight people are on his side now they want to root for him and it happened totally organically too. this idea that we as the fans hated him so much and we felt that he was being shoved down our throats 
And then we found out he was sick. And then we're reminded, oh, this guy's a human being with thoughts and feelings and a family who loves him. And we've been booing him every night and saying he's the worst and making videos and podcasts about how he's the worst. And all that hate got turned back on us into sympathy. And it's like, oh, man, I feel so bad for this guy. And I feel bad about myself and how I treated him. And now he's back and he's doing good and he's, you know, on cloud nine and everything as he should be. The question is moving forward. How are they going to book him and how do they not backslide? So far, I think they're doing it. And that is because they are writing Roman Reigns not like Roman Reigns. They're writing him like Joe Anawahi. They're writing him like the guy. They've given him more freedom to just be himself. And the guy himself is plenty charming. I think this is how he should be in the future. I think they should just let him be himself is what he should be. Another big thing about his return is that the rumor is Dean Ambrose is leaving. That he's done with the hokey shit, that he's done with the company, but before he goes, you better believe they want to get at least one S.H.I.E.L.D. reunion back in there. Because, you know, that, you know, up sales, and I'm sure they sell a lot of merch off the back of that, too. Even if it makes zero sense for Dean's character, and Dean's character has made very, very little sense in the last little bit, you know, from... I'm Bane from The Dark Knight Rises to I need to get shots in my ass because I hate all you dirty, diseased people. She, like, trading losses with Elias and getting, like, El Cabonged with guitars week after week and needing, you know, Seth and Roman to come save him. Just a lot of confusing stuff with Dean, but, you know, maybe, maybe a S.H.I.E.L.D. reunion can make it work. Yeah, what does this mean for his wife, exactly? She Again, Renee, who I love too, because Renee is Canadian. She used to host for Sports Center. She could leave. She might not. I mean, we all saw what happened when Cody Rhodes left and Brandy Rhodes was left behind. We saw a lot less of Brandy. But also, Renee has a really sweet job as, like, the one lady commentator on the show. I would almost hate to see her leave because of that. Because I think she's actually doing a good job and actually adds something completely new and different to commentary that is, like, sorely missing without her. But, yeah, Dean's character is so confusing. Weird germaphobe Bane, as the chat is reminding me. <laughs> Are the NXT guys terrified to see Vince move them up to the main roster? Feels that way, doesn't it? I think the last real big success was Kevin Owens. Again, Cultaholic did a great video breaking down how long it took, you know, former NXT champs and call-ups to, you know, be buried and to not be doing anything. Where's Sanity? I almost put a whole topic in here about where's Sanity. I love all those guys so much, and they're completely missing. So sad. But, uh, yeah, the, the talk is Dean is leaving, but the talk is also that this might be one huge work and that this is like Dean's, like, you know, Hail Mary pass that they gave him some more creative freedom and creative autonomy. And his thing is like, look, let me get this over. Let me make fans think I'm leaving. And then when I prove that I can turn in some good stuff, you'll give me more creative control. You'll give me like the CM Punk deal to let me write some more stuff. If they're doing it, then this is a... It, it is complex, Amazing Spider-Man. If it's true, then this is the most complex, circuitous scheme I've ever seen. You know, let me, let me suck for a couple months and make them think that you're burying me to sell the idea that I'm leaving only for me not to leave. And uh, this leads into the other story I want to talk about, and that is, you know, Dave Meltzer of the Wrestling Observer. You know, basically, you know, if he, if he says it, it's probably true. Uh, he came out this week and he said that Roman Reigns' WrestleMania opponent... 
this year after returning is actually going to be Baron Corbin of all people, which leads many people to believe, oh, well, that's probably going to be a feel-good squash then, because eh, no one cares if Corbin wins or loses, you know, he's basically treading water anyway, which is a shame, because I actually liked his, uh, his redesign into Baron, or into Constable Corbin, you know, finally giving up on his hair that he was losing. Also, Baron Corbin in real life is a nice guy, if you watch him on Up, Up, Down, Down, and in streams and everything, he doesn't seem like a horrible human being, unlike the horrible human being he plays on TV. Also, he's a heel who actually gets heel heat, actually gets booed still. And I feel that, you know, there there kind of has to be something on that. You know, there should be a, you know, that's worth something. He He's in this weird, loosely affiliated heel group with him, Bobby Lashley, and Drew McIntyre. And, man, they should be doing so much more with Drew McIntyre. But it's going to be those three versus The Shield. The good guys are probably going to win because it's a feel-good story. My theory was, you know, it should really it should really be Roman versus Dean at Mania, shouldn't it be? Should it not be that, especially considering that uh, Dean said all that horrible stuff uh, when he had to leave with cancer and the fact that he betrayed Seth Rollins that same night that he had to leave? Yeah, exactly. Stop pushing Corbin. Drew is much better. Agreed, Ninjack. I have no idea why Drew McIntyre doesn't have... Uh, doesn't actually have a match. Also, thank you, uh, whoever dropped uh, the cheers there into the cup. I just saw that. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, Keysman, Keysman1993, and you subscribe to Tier 1. Ooh, thank you. You're helping me uh, keep this stream alive here, and you're helping me uh, keep streaming more. I appreciate that one. I guess, I guess the first episode is a success here, literally, monetarily. It made a little money. Yeah, Drew was supposed to be getting a big push, and then it just kind of stopped. Heck, uh, they put Balor over him, and I love Balor to death, but Balor was on a major losing streak, and then he beat McIntyre out of nowhere. Also, he's with, you know, Lashley, who, well, is an amazing physical specimen, can't talk to save his life. Oh, and uh, Kisman just got back from Captain Marvel, too, wanted to say hi before I went to bed. Well, thank you, Kisman. I appreciate that. I'm seeing Captain Marvel tomorrow or the next day. I actually bought a Captain Marvel shirt so I could talk about that. But, uh, yeah, uh, back to wrestling there. But, yeah, the, 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 their weirdly assembled, no-name-given heel stable, which is also kind of getting wins, too, because they beat Balor and Braun and Kurt Angle to try and put them over, but the fact that they won on TV means, of course, they're not going to win at the pay-per-view. Just just seems very hastily put together. Probably because Drew has to wait for Brock to drop the belt and leave it if Brock drops the belt at all. Exactly, Wade, that's the fear. Now, if that's where, uh, the thing they wanted to go with next, uh, champion good guy Seth Rollins versus Drew McIntyre, that would be cool. And maybe that's where they're setting it up, too, where it's like these, these six feuds will break off into mini-feuds. DLC should be the name of the stable. <laughs> You're not wrong, Legend Shazam. I like that. DLC, Drew Lashley Corbin. <laughs> you see, this This is why I like having the chat as my host on this one, or as my co-host on this one, everyone. Sometimes you guys are way funnier. And then, you know, you got Braun, who has no program at all going into Mania. Uh, as DNG says, it probably should have been Drew and Braun, but they just didn't do that. It should have been, like, two huge guys. Braun is in such a weird place because he was white hot like a year and a half ago. And we really believed he was going to be champion. And he won in those Saudi Arabia shows. 
and he won the money in the bank and he won the tag titles for a little bit. He, I think it was OSW who said he's like an off-season champion. Like, you know, they'll book him great when it's not one of the big four pay-per-views. Then they're like, hey, remember your place. And I mean, I guess he's limited even all this time later. You know, he's a big man who can do big moves, but I guess they fear that he can't do long matches that he'll get too winded or something and that he can't do it. He's very, he's kind of ultimate warrior like that, but shit, even the ultimate warrior won a bunch of titles back in the day. (laughs) Braun lost all his credibility the moment he apologized to Vince for ripping up his limo. Yeah, that's another thing, DNG. He's not a tweener. He's more of a face. He, he keeps his morality keeps going back and forth like they made him a good guy then they made him a bad guy again to once again feud with the shield which was braun drew and ziggler ziggler who's fallen off the face of the earth he's doing his stand-up comedy now but yeah i i think they've really kind of misbooked braun into a corner they really have the, the biggest thing he did this week was he messed up colin jost from saturday night live which I actually love that they're going to be at WrestleMania. I know everyone hated that moment, but I love Saturday Night Live, so I'm I'm glad these two worlds are meeting. Uh, but yeah, that's that's that story more or less. Uh, what's the next one I had here? Oh, oh, the big one, and this was the one everybody on the chat wanted, or everyone on Twitter when I asked for news stories to talk about in the realm of wrestling wanted me to cover, and that is the ongoing super feud that is. Becky Lynch and Ronda Rousey that is still evolving even now. In fact, before I came on and recorded this, uh, Ronda Rousey released a video where she basically called wrestling fake, talked about how much she hated the fans and how she could easily kill Charlotte and Becky if this was an actual UFC fight. And it's just like, wow, wow, that is some shit is what that is. She also kind of turned heel. She she dropped the title out of respect, but this was after she had a Twitter blow up, so maybe they were punishing her, maybe they weren't. But she dropped the title, then they were going to fight for the title, then she asked for the title back. Then she went heel on Becky, which, which again, the morality of this situation is really weird because Becky was getting over as like a Steve Austin-era anti-authority heel that everyone loved to death, and Ronda was the face kinda but she does a lot of heelish shit like this and she's really heelish on social media and they're both really petty to each other but is she turned heel but they didn't quite answer the question yet is this a double turn because she's the bad guy now does that now make becky the good guy in this situation or are they both heels now going into this and that's not even talking the weirdest part of all and that is that these are two smackdown women uh becky and charlotte fighting over the raw title and then you got oscar over there being like oh i guess i'll fight mandy rose then i guess that's fine it's a great storyline And Becky's Twitter game is unsurpassed, as Hippie Exterminator reminds us. But I feel like they stumbled into something, WWE. They stumbled into a great storyline, and they don't know what to do with it. And they don't know how to let it play organically, so they feel they need to keep fucking with it every week. To where now it's, like, needlessly complex and needlessly layered, and everyone's just like, let them fight. We just want to see it. That's all we want to see. And again, as Titan Slayer says, was Becky ever the bad guy? The fans never thought she was a bad guy. The writers never seemed to think she was a bad guy. She was an underdog, taking what was hers after years of being, you know, stomped down. If she was a villain, she was the most sympathetic villain ever. But yeah. Yeah, it's it's the cra- it was the craziest, craziest thing. 
it's it's probably the hottest storyline they have going on now. And it is nice that, you know, the that, that the women's title scene can be as hot as it is and they're letting it open and close shows because they know how important it is. And when push comes to shove, I think the three of them, if assuming it's still going to be a triple threat by the time we get to Mania, will put on a good show. Does WWE have a big problem booking faces and heels? Recently they do. Recently they really seem to. And, you know, I, I think it's because, you know, heels are getting over too quickly now. Faces are being kind of weird. Yeah, wait, I, I, absolutely. And I think that's intentional, too, that, you know, for all the crazy booking decisions and all the stuff that doesn't make sense, they really are trying to get back to a very attitude-era feeling Steve Austin versus McMahon anti-authority thing. Heck, the fact that the McMahon family even, you know, inserted themselves into the story at all, they probably didn't even need to do that, but they did. <laughs> then again, I love stupid shit like OSW Review does. Oh man, this whole saga weight is going to make for a great OSW Review down the line. We just know it. I think it's because they don't book the faces as the baddest. No, they, they never do. And I think Becky is a perfect example of poor face booking where she was the most gullible person. It didn't matter what team she was in. She was always getting turned on. She was always trusting people she shouldn't have. Now, in doing that, it actually paid off to where, you know, when she became like a tweener heel and everything, you know, you wanted to go on that ride and you wanted to see her get it back. <laughs> Becky's wearing a goddamn knee brace. That too. Is she really hurt? Is she not hurt? Is it is it all a work? Is everything a work? I don't know. They seem to be throwing so much out there to the ether. Uh, I will say though, uh, Ronda's newest heel turn, it is getting her heat. I don't know if it's getting her the right kind of heat though. It's it's that's like a nuclear option when you basically tell the fans to go fuck themselves, and when you tell them, hey, wrestling is fake, and when you start mentioning scripts and everything. The rumor is, is that after Mania, she's done. That she wants to go have a baby and have a family. So, I mean, is this, is this her burning her bridge? Is this like, I'm going to be done for a while anyway, so I might as well throw everything in the kitchen sink at people and I'm going to be gone for a while, you know, raising a family. And if I come back, maybe people will forget what I said and what I did. Because it feels like, you know, they they can't, uh, you know, the, the, what's that quote from Juno? This is a... Uh, this is one stick that can't be unstuck, you know, once you start doing this. And, and again, you want, you want to talk weirdness of kayfabe, too, here. You know, Ron just saying it's fake, it's a script, I could beat you all in real life anyway. Triple H was doing it, too. He broke character as well this week, saying, hey, Batista, this is me talking, not the character. It's a, it's a crazy time for sure. But I think it will ultimately lead to a really good match. And I think I think they're smart enough to know that they want, you know, Becky to hold the title up at Mania. And that's going to be, you know, the big culmination of all of this. Again, sometimes wrestling is a car crash. But like a car crash, sometimes you just can't look away. And the meta reading, I think, is what has really helped take this feud to the next level. Because it's when Ronda says this stuff about wrestling and wrestling fans... I think it rings true because I think she believes it. She really does believe it. She's not trying. Like, she, she's not trying to act. She actually does believe it. And it's, it's funny, too, to think that, you know, lots of these people probably feel... Lesnar probably feels this way about wrestling and wrestling fans. And even he doesn't say stuff like that. So they've actually allowed 
you know, one of the people in the women's division to get a new level of heeldom in there by telling the fans to screw off. Because I think I, I think the Young Bucks and being the elite show this too, that, you know, it's hard to tell straight up stories in wrestling anymore because everyone meta-reads what's going on because, you know, we can follow them on, you know, we can follow our favorite wrestlers and writers, at, you know, on Instagram and Twitter and we know everything that's going on and we follow the dirt sheets and we follow Dave Meltzer and everything. So I think... You know, to put this, like, all these levels of obfuscation in there to be like, oh, well, maybe she does feel this way, and oh, maybe Becky really does want to beat her up, and oh, man, I really do want to see this match, because, you know, you never know if they're going to throw some errant punches in there or what. But, uh, yeah, so, I mean, that's that's the long and short of my unsolicited wrestling stream here, you know, we're heading up to an hour, this is the first episode, I don't know how long an episode should be, uh, maybe, uh, maybe I should take some questions from the chat, actually, maybe that should be, uh, how we close out our very first episode and our very first stream here, thank you, all 13 people who stuck around, and then some, that makes me feel very good, that makes me feel this show has legs. But, uh, alright, yeah, let's take some, uh, questions here. Do you ever wonder how different wrestling would be if, uh, Triple H and Sean got fired the night of the curtain call? Yes, actually, that would be very interesting if they went to WCW, if they got some more of their friends to come over there. How would it be different? Uh, Joel, have we done a predictions for Fastlane? No, we have not, Wade. I might do that as we get closer. I'm thinking that if the unsolicited wrestling stream becomes a show I'm going to keep doing, it might be a Thursday thing. Maybe the next episode we'll do our fast lane. Uh, we'll do our fast lane predictions is what we'll do. And maybe more stuff has happened than that. I feel like predictions should be a whole episode in and of themselves is what it should be. But yeah, there's, uh, there's definitely some matches I want to weigh in on on that one. I kind of gave some predictions, but we'll see. Just imagine Hogan and uh, Michaels in the WCW locker room. I'm actually rereading Death of WCW, which is a great book. You ever wonder what happened if WCW won the Monday Night Wars? I think ECW ends up winning. Interesting. Oh, is it really this Sunday, Titan Slayer? Holy shit. Okay, maybe I will come back and do one then. Do we, do we have a full card? Do we have a full card for it? I mean, I could probably find the full card. Maybe I can do it quickly. So it would have to be all right here. You you talked me into a chat here. We'll do we'll we'll do predict uh, predictions then for fast lane here. Let me actually get up the proper card and then we'll do it. Uh, I'm on my brand new stream rig, which was made uh, possible thanks to generous fans like you all out there for giving money to my coffee uh, account and giving bits and giving donations and subscriptions. I really appreciate that. Uh, just wanted to put that one out there and say how thankful I am for you fans while I stall for time and look for the uh, Fastlane 2019 uh, card. All right, so what are what, what are our confirmed matches here so far? All right, the Usos, Jimmy and Jay versus Miz and Shane McMahon. Oh, I forgot about that. Oh, I think I think Shane versus Miz is going to be a thing for Mania. I really do. Say what you want about Shane, but he picks the best opponents every year, be it Kevin Owens, be it AJ Styles, be it The Undertaker. The, the man is a big nerd. He's basically a mark, and he picks all the best opponents, and I think it's going to be him and Miz for Mania, which means I guess they have to lose here. They have to lose again, and one will turn on the other, and I'm thinking Shane turns on good guy Miz, and this is how we get a face turn out of him. But but it's also going to be in Miz's hometown, and Miz's family is going to be there. And they've made a lot of mention about his dad, Mr. Pornstash. So maybe his dad gets involved too? And maybe they end up winning again? I don't know. Or maybe his dad gets hurt. 
There's there's a lot of places they could go with this one, but I'm I'm gonna say uh, I'm gonna say the Usos win this one. I'm gonna say the Usos retain. Then we got Daniel Bryan v Kevin Owens. Ooh, it's gonna suck if Kevin Owens loses in his first big match back. But I feel that he has to. I feel he has to lose. Kevin Owens has to keep it going into. Or no, I feel that Daniel Bryan has to keep it going into Mania. I really, really think so. Uh, maybe the New Day interferes. Maybe Rowan interferes. This one's going to have a screwy finish. Bryan wins, but yeah, it's probably going to be via a disqualification or a ring out. There's going to be some screwy shit to lead us into Mania is what it's going to be. You know, He's, he's going to get screwed out of this one, but Daniel Bryan will retain. It'll probably be a good match, but yeah, I'm going to say Brian wins with the caveat of it being a screwy finish. Then we got the Boss and Hug Connection versus Nia Jax and Tamina. I forgot this was also a thing that was building up right now. I mean, Bailey and Sasha just got the titles, so I don't think they're going to lose them right away. I think they're going to keep them. I wish they had actually saved uh, them versus uh, the Irresistible Forces or uh, the Samoan Slaughterhouse, whatever they're calling themselves. Now, I wish they saved this match for Mania. I think, you know, the small scrappy team versus the big bruiser women team would have been good for Mania. Then again, they if, if they really want to hot shot the belts around, they could put it on the nasty heels and then have the faces have to win it back from them in Mania, and maybe that'll be the uh maybe that'll be the good feel the, the, the good feels moment for you. I'm gonna say boss and hug connection, but I don't feel a hundred percent about it. My gut says boss and hug connection. I guess once we're done these two, we can probably all come back and, uh, what is it, actually compare notes when it's all done. Yes, I also want Boss and Hug Connection versus the Iconics, Wade. We're, we're on the same wavelength here. Uh, what else do we have here? Ooh, Asuka versus Mandy Rose. What a, what a fucking weird feud this is. Man, the SmackDown women's title, they are just disrespecting Asuka so hard. Because it, it wasn't even supposed to be Mandy Rose. Apparently it was supposed to be Lacey Evans. That, like, uh, shocker, but McMahon has a big boner for these pretty blonde women. And that apparently he really wanted to push them to a spot. I hope Asuka wins, but I think there's going to be some fuckery here. I think Mandy Rose is going to win. I, re- I really do. I, 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 I don't think they respect Asuka. I think they're going to give it to Mandy Rose. Again, possibly through cheating. Possibly Sonya Deville will get involved in this one. But yeah, I think I think there's going to be some cheating going on here. And Mandy gets to carry it into Mania. Where, assumedly, she'll lose it to someone else. I definitely see Mandy being a transitional champion. For who, I don't know. But I definitely see her being a transitional champion for someone. Yeah, yeah. Can, can Asuka just dye her hair blonde and that will confuse uh, old, senile, horny Vince McMahon? <laughs> oh, really? Uh, and- uh, Andrade versus Ray is on the kickoff show. I almost said uh, Andrade Cien almost, but uh, much like Alexander Rusev and Antonio Cesaro, they, they took part of his name. <laughs> yeah, I don't know who's going to win that one. I guess it doesn't really matter who wins the kickoff show. There's really nothing on the line for this one. I feel this that their feud is just going to continue. Possibly it's going to bleed over into the U.S. title picture. But all right. Then we have the Shield versus uh, whatever the fuck Baron Corbin, Drew McIntyre's team. I said this before. Shield goes over. It's a feel-good moment. These heels have nothing in common. They're going to squash them. But maybe these will spin off into other feuds. Assumedly, you know, uh, Reigns versus Corbin and... Uh, what is it? Uh, yeah, that's that's what I think of it. 
Oh, yeah, I was going to talk about that, too. Jushin Thunder Liger retired. Yeah, that's sad he retired. He's one of the greatest juniors, one of the greatest mass guys who ever lived. Shocking that he retired uh, when he could have just bequeathed the mass to someone else and no one would ever have known. But yes, uh, uh, yeah, me guessing here. Uh, Charlotte Flair versus Becky Lynch. Uh, singles match. If Lynch wins, she will be added into the WWE Raw Women's Championship match at WrestleMania 35. Again, this one writes itself. She has to win. <coughs> no two ways about it. She has to win for the story to make sense. But so much of the story hasn't been making sense recently. I don't know. Maybe Ronda will show up and fuck it up. But one way or another, she's getting into the match. Maybe they'll want some more TV leading up to it. But Becky, Becky will eventually win. Uh, then what else do we have here? Uh, then we got The Revival versus Aleister Black, Ricochet, Chad Gable, and Bobby Roode. That's going to be a good one, actually. I think that one's actually going to be a really cool match. I'm interested in that. The uh, the tag scene is actually kind of heating up again, on Raw at least. Does anyone, does anyone think it was weird that Heavy Machinery won a match? These guys who were like trading wins with the Forgotten Sons on NXT were always the unloved stepchildren. And suddenly they're squashing the B team and they're squashing the Ascension and they're squashing, uh, you know, Hawkins and Ryder who have been there way longer. I mean, I'm a big fan of Hosses, you know, I'll root for anyone. But uh, yeah, okay, so this match, this is weird because the Revival just got it and they got it via complaining. The word is, is that if they didn't win, they were going to leave. I don't see them putting it on Aleister Black and Ricochet. Because they're not supposed to be a team. They are for the Dusty Classic now, but they're not tag team wrestlers. Why they put them in a tag thing is absolutely beyond me. Maybe this was supposed to be DIY and they had to change things around. So I don't think they're going to win. Again, Chad Gable and Bobby Roode they've forgotten about. And that breaks my goddamn heart. Because Bobby Roode is like from two towns over from me. He's one of Canada's favorite sons. I would like to see them win. I don't see that happening, though. I'm going to say the Revival uh, retains through the power of complaining. They don't want them to leave. I would say they win, but Alistair and Ricochet look very strong. Uh, Revival wins through cheating, and Bobby Roode and Gable are only there to eat the pins for Black and Ricochet, which is why this is a triple threat tag match is what this is. Because we got to keep them strong. We don't want to piss off the Revival. So that's that's how it's going to go down. Poor, poor Rude and Gable are going to eat the pin. And then the last... Uh, oh, no, that was it. That was everything. I, I didn't reverse order. So, yeah, there, th- there you go, everyone. You talked me into doing it. The show went a little longer. There was my fast lane predictions. Uh, when we do this show again, we'll go over what I was right and what I was wrong about. And if it was wrong on too many, I don't know. I guess I'll I guess I'll do a punishment or something. I don't know. I'll do a shot of hot sauce or something. Yeah, Legends of Jam is right. Fuck the revival. Actually, I kind of respect the revival now because they complained and got their way. <laughs> Which is stunning, where it's like, man, why doesn't everyone do that? And, well, I want a title. I'm gonna leave to AEW if you don't give me a title. I'm just I'm just gonna fucking leave. But yes, that was that was the inaugural unsolicited wrestling podcast stream. Just what the internet needed, another wrestling podcast starring a chubby white guy with a chin beard. I want to thank you all for being a part of this. Thank you everyone who donated. You still can donate, uh, whether through bits, through cheers, or through the actual uh, link down in the bottom there. You can do that. I would much appreciate that. 
And uh, yeah, I'll be back again next time, everyone, for more streams. You can find this one re-uploaded uh, over on the Joel Daily YouTube channel. Go subscribe there if you haven't already. Be sure to follow here on this channel right here uh, so you always know when a new stream is coming out. And uh, yeah, people people really seem to like this. I think this, this might become a more common thing moving forward. But uh, I appreciate it. I have been Cave Joel, and I will see you all next time. This is where I'd put a send-off. If I had a send-off, I don't have one yet. I'll have to work on it. But yes, thank you, everyone.